The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. This this is the second of the three-part series, and we're talking about freedom. So we're talking about freedoms. It's right in my eyes. Um, freedom that freedom that Christ wants to bring to us. So we're going to continue on that series tonight. Uh, but how many of you guys have ever been to Malibu? Anyone? How about Beyond Malibu? Has anyone? <laughs> nice. Um, Beyond Malibu was something that my parents were guides back in the 19, I think 1987 or no 1970s, 1970s, um, and it was something that they loved, and so I'd always heard them talk about it, and so when the opportunity came up for me to be a guide, I was like, well, sure, I guess. I like to be outside. I like the snow. Um, but it was kind of a crazy experience there, and there was a lot of really challenging situations, and I grew a ton doing it. Um, but a couple summers ago, I was uh, walking around Seattle, and I ran into one of my old Beyond Guide friends, and she was like, hey, are you climbing Mount Rainier with a bunch of girls, with the girls? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Can we do that? Can we just climb Mount Rainier? She's like, yeah. I was like, sure. Okay. So she's like, I'll put you on the email list. So anyways, there's um, a couple of the guides that continued to get their, continued their um, like first aid training and gotten more certifications. And one of them's husband is crazy and he's like climbed it twice in 10 days. And so it's no big deal to them. So we're like, okay, let's climb out right near. Um, so we went and you can see a little picture. We're hiking. There I am. Uh, we went up the back side of Mount Rainier, so not up Camp Muir. But uh, one thing I noticed as I was climbing is it was really steep. And I kept doing this thing where you climb and you see it kind of like flatten out, and you're like, oh man, just got to get to right there, and then it's going to be easy, it's going to be smooth sailing. Uh, and then you get there, and it's like this tiny little space, and you look up, and then there's another thing like this. And you're like, dang it. And you're like, oh, just got to get to the next one, and then it's going to flatten out, and you know, we're just going to be cruising. And then you get there, and you're like, really? And this just happens over and over and over again. Um, and, I, and when I was thinking about this, I was like, this is, this is not something that just happens when I climb Mount Rainier. This is something that happens to all of us. And I think we experience this kind of like idea of like, oh, when I get here, it's just going to be so much easier. And then you get there, and maybe you get a moment's rest, but then you're like, and there's the next thing. And then you get there, and then you're like, and there's the next thing. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about this kind of when-then idea and about Jesus and about freedom. But before we get started, pray with me. All right. Uh, dear God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, Lord, the way this is that you have brought us all here, um, and I pray, Lord, that you'd use my words, you'd use people's random thoughts in their minds, um, you'd use whatever you want, Lord, to speak to us, that you would, that we would feel your presence here tonight, and um, your Holy Spirit would be with us, so in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this when-then idea, I think it's something we do, we do it with relationships all the time. Throw that slide up there. Um, we think, oh man, if I, as soon as I get a boyfriend, then life's just gonna be, gonna be there. I'm gonna, it's gonna be awesome. When I get a boyfriend, and then once you get your boyfriend, you're like, well, when he says he loves me, then. And then it's, well, when we get engaged. And then it's, well, when, once the wedding's over, you know, then. And then we just win then our way through relationships. Uh, we also do this with our bodies. Oh my gosh, when I have the perfect body, maybe then I'll get the boyfriend. Or then I'll get the girlfriend. Or when I get the perfect body, when I look like the guy on Men's Health magazine, then. 
you know, I can get all the girls I want, or, and then I'll be happy, or whatever it is, we, think, we do this with our bodies. We think, as soon as I get to this certain place, then, but when we get there, just like on Rainier, it's like, and then there's the next thing, and the next thing. Um, we do this with, maybe you do this with college. We were like, oh my gosh, when I get to college, everything's going to be awesome. And then you get to college and you're like, dang it, I have to choose a major. Well, once I, when I choose my major, then, then, and then, then after you pick your major, you're like, well, once I graduate, then. And then once you graduate, you're like, okay, got to find a job. And once I find this great job, then, once you find your great job, then you're looking for the promotion, and then you're looking for retirement, and, you know, pretty soon you're old. <laughs> um, but we do this with all these different things. We, we even do this in our faith life, where we think, oh, man, you know what? I'll pursue God when I have my happy family. <laughs> That's, I know that picture's old, but it's my favorite. <laughs> we think, oh, man, I'll just, you know, I don't need to worry about church or God. I'll just do that. Once I get my family, we'll do that. Or we're like, oh, once, once I get this sin out of my life, then, then I'll pursue God. When I, get, when I stop drinking, when I stop doing these things that I shouldn't, don't think I should be doing. Or we think, oh man, once I have lots of money, then I'll start giving. Or once I have more time, then, you know, when summer hits, when finals are done, then I'll start praying again. But what happens when we get to summer? We're like, well, you know, once I get back into my routine, I mean, this is what I say. You know, like these things just keep coming up. So this is this when-then thing, something we do a lot. Uh, and one thing that's kind of fun about the summer in is we have a smaller group. So this summer we've been taking a few minutes in between throughout the the talk to just talk about some of these ideas. So the first one, the question, where do you see yourself or people around you getting caught in this when-then thinking? So two minutes, either self-reflect, grab the person next to you. Where do you see this in the people around you? Or where do you see this in your life? Go. Okay, are you guys, you guys tracking? You guys notice this in your lives? Because am I the only one who does this? You guys doing? Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's a couple problems with this thing. There's a couple problems with this idea of when then. The first, it's like the carrot on the stick, which I don't know where this came from, but um, <laughs> you never get there. It's like it's just dangling right there, and you're almost going to grab it, and then it moves a little bit farther. And then you almost grab it, and you move a little bit farther. And even, even coming down from Rainier, I was super tired at the end, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I totally remember this curve. It's right before the parking lot. And then we go, like, another 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, this is the spot. I could just, you're almost there. You feel like you're almost there, and then it's this next thing comes to you. You're like, oh, man, if I could just get through, I just got to get through this quarter. And then what happens? The next quarter starts. <laughs> and you have a whole other set of classes. So the first problem is if you never get it. But what if you do? What if you grab the carrot? Um, I think there's problems there, too. One is you find out it's just a carrot, you know? <laughs> Not that awesome. Um, but... What if we get there and it doesn't satisfy us? If when we, we do reach this, like, this finish line, this goal, and we get there and we're like, what, what's next? Uh, we, so I want to look at a few of these places where we have these finish lines. Um, the first is in relationships. This is the lovely sign outside of a wedding venue. Happily ever after starts here, right? Uh, I think relationships and marriage sometimes is this finish line. I know girls think about this a lot. Some people, girls and guys think about this oh, as soon as I get married, then happily ever after. That's what we're told our entire lives growing up. That's every story we read. But it's not true. You know, you think when I get married, then all my problems are going to go away. My insecurities are going to go away. But when you get married, 
Like, it comes with you. Your baggage comes with you. Your past relationships come with you. Your relationship with your mom comes with you. Your body image issues come with you. And then you inherit another set of problems. And you just got a big mess. No, but it's, it's, marriage is something. <laughs> so great. No, it's, the cool thing, I mean, the amazing part is, is you have a teammate, you have someone to work through this stuff with, but to think that as soon as I have a husband, then I'm no longer going to have these insecurities is just not true. Um, and I think we think, oh man, once I, I mean, I remember I was at a restaurant and I was watching this couple at the bar and he was, they're both super good looking people. I mean, they were dressed the part, they were beautiful, they were this couple, you, one you'd look at and be like, oh my gosh, they have, they found it, you know, they found each other. And they, I don't know what was going on in their relationship, and maybe there probably is more to their story, but they were bored out of their minds. Like they were just, any chance they could, they were trying to talk to someone else, and they look back and be like, hey, you know, like singing their song, like dancing the music a little bit, and they were just like oozing with boredom from across the room, and we were just like, gosh. But I think, and I was just wondering, you know, when I was thinking about this talk, thinking about that couple and being like, were they people that they're like, oh, as soon as I find this really good-looking guy, and he's my boyfriend, then I'm going to be super happy, you know? And you get there, and you're like, I am bored out of my mind. Like, I don't even like this guy. Or I don't even like this girl. And they both look like they're having a terrible time. But we have these ideas that, oh, my gosh, happily ever after, as soon as I get married, when I get there, then my life will start, or happiness will start. And we know the statistic about divorce, and that that's a reality. Um, we, another, another area we do this is, what's my next one? Yeah. Um, a lot of times we do this with our jobs, where we think, if I just keep moving up in my job and I get that promotion, or maybe I just put in my two years and then I'll get my promotion, and then I figure out this part of the company and then I'll move up. And um, there's a lot of executives that have depression. This is Phil... You're with Phil B, unless anyone wants to pronounce it. <laughs> um, I asked some people, and I was like, I, we're just going to call him Phil. Uh, it's our friend Phil. He was the youngest, I got my little statistic, one of the youngest CEOs ever to run a Fortune 500 company. He had the world by the tail, it says. But he uh, <laughs> was a self-prescribed workaholic, and he went deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. And he was... Um, you know, so by the worldly standards, he's making tons of money, he's really young, he's, you know, running this company, he's doing great things, and he was super depressed. And he, he says that he thinks over 50% of executives will become depressed sometime in their career. And he says that at, since this, this was a PBS home video you can get, uh, but he came, he came out of the shadows, he talked about this depression because it's this taboo thing in the business world. No one wants to say they're in charge of these big things and they're depressed. Um, but once he did, he said he gets a phone call once or twice a day from a different executive that's calling to talk to him about his struggles and his issues. And I think we glorify these things. We think, oh, man, if I could just get there, then, then I'd have it all. And our friend Phil would tell you, maybe not. Um, the last example, which is, you can throw it up, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Sportsman of the Year. He's got three Super Bowl rings. He's married to a Brazilian supermodel. He is good-looking, athletic, successful, making tens of millions of dollars. I feel like he's the epitome of everything you think the good life could be. He's got it. Every box you could check, he's got it. And if he doesn't have it, he can probably buy it for himself like 18 times with all his money. So, um, but what's amazing about Tom Brady is there's 
this video that we're going to watch, and it is really interesting. So throw it up there. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. That's <laughs> what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew pretty crazy. I mean, even though I know these, these things of the world don't satisfy us, you look at someone like Tom Brady and you're like, he's got to be happy. I mean, what more does he want? And he's just, you know, he's like, I don't know why. I'm not happy. You know, why is this stuff not fulfilling me? What more can I want? You know, but Tim Tebow's on the team now, so see what happens. <laughs> um, but... Tom Brady, I mean, that's just a crazy example, and it's, yes, anyways, uh, but there's, so the next, there's this, uh, sorry, John D. Rockefeller, he was the richest man in the 1920s and 30s, and, but when people asked him, John, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more, and that's kind of this, this question of like, for all of us, when we think, oh, when I get there, like, when is enough enough? You know, is it always going to be just a little bit more? So my next question for us to discuss, you can either self-reflect, grab a friend. Why do we do this? Why do I do this? Why, what do we believe will happen when we get, when, when the then become, you know, when we get there, then. <laughs> and when is enough enough? So just take a few minutes and think about that. Why, why do we do this? Okay, um, does anyone want to share some of the things I talked about? Do you guys have any ideas of why we think we do this? I know, it's out of the box at the end, but who wants to share? Yeah. You talked about uh, setting goals and how that's, that's a good thing. That's something that society definitely encourages to set goals for yourself. But then you just twist it a little bit instead of like, you know, like one of the goals for myself is to graduate, but then you twist it a little bit and like once I graduate, then I can do these other stuff. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Head. Let's hear it. 
I like it. That's good. <laughs> good job, guys. What else are we thinking? Does one more person want to share? This side of the room? Yeah, it's here. Cool. Yeah, I think all of what you said is it. I think that the world kind of speaks pretty loudly that, um, I think, like you said, goals are great things. And they're great things to set goals, and there's great things to pursue jobs and relationships and these different things. But I know for me, when it becomes that when-then, it's when, I be, when my worth and my happiness get wrapped up in that. When I think, oh, man, when I get this, then I'll be worth something. When I get a boyfriend, then I'll be worth more or I'll be happier. And I, and I kind of attach all these things to these things that, that aren't supposed to be there. You know, when the, our culture says, this is what it's all about. Tom Brady, he's got it all. You know, and, and I think, but Jesus has a different way. And tonight we're talking about freedom. And I think this whole, for me, this, this whole circle over here gets exhausting. And because we're always chasing something, we're always looking at the next thing. And Jesus wants to free us from that. Uh, it says, there's a verse that says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And this problem hasn't just been happening today, but back when the Bible was written, um, back in the day, people, they thought, oh, to be a good person, I got to do this. I got to do this. You know, and you see that in Christian circles. Oh, man, when I do this, then I'll be a really good Christian. And when I do this, I'll be a great Christian. And Jesus is saying it's not about that. Like, I came so you can be free, so you can have freedom, and you can pursue me and know me. And, and he, he doesn't want us to get stuck in this whole circle. Um, okay, go to the next one. So the world promises us when, when you get here, then you get there. And Jesus promises us peace that surpasses understanding, hope that endures, joy, love, acceptance, healing, forgiveness, freedom today. Um, he says, I came to bring life. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So for me, this, uh, this is a lot of how I came to know Christ. Um, when I was, I grew up in a Christian family, so I would have told you I was a Christian my whole life, but um, that basically meant I believed in God. And when I was in high school, I thought it was all about this checklist. So I'm 16 years old, and I'm like, okay, I got to, you know, have the popular friends, look cute, be good at sports, do good at school, get a boyfriend. So I started trying to check these boxes, thinking, like, when I get these things, then I'll have it all. And I remember, like, backstabbing the friend to get the boyfriend to complete the picture. And I was just like, this sucks. Like, this is not awesome. And I remember being in my room one night by myself, crying and just feeling exhausted and worn out and frustrated and confused and being like, okay, Jesus, I have everything a 16-year-old could want. But, like, why, why is this not filling up? Why am I not satisfied? Why, what, what's up with this? And I think that's when these different camps that I'd gone to and things I'd heard 
started clicking and I felt like I kind of zoomed out on life and I saw myself running in all these when-then circles and I felt like God was saying like, I've come, to you, I've come to give you full life and come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And that's, I remember that verse and I remember being like, yes, like I need rest. Like I'm so tired from all these expectations and all this pressure and all this when-then I put on myself and, and realizing it's not about that. It's about Jesus and it's about this relationship with him. That's, that's more than just believing in God. Um, and so I remember praying to myself and just being like, okay, Jesus, my life's for you. And it didn't mean that I got all this stuff figured out because it's something even today I'm like, oh, man, when this talk's done, then, you know. But it was something that started this journey and uh, started this journey in this different direction. And I think a lot of us sometimes we're like, man, well, I'm too, I'm too messed up. Like, if you knew the things I was doing, like, I'm not trying to check all these perfect boxes. <laughs> like, I am, I am a mess. Um, and you can throw up the next slide. Um, when you see pictures of Jesus, there, he wasn't alone on the cross. There were two people next to him. And crucifixion was uh, reserved for the worst of criminals. So Jesus is being crucified, and there's two thieves next to him. And it doesn't say all of what they've done. You can imagine they've done some pretty bad stuff to get put up there. Um, and there's one thief, and he's talking to Jesus, and he's saying, he's kind of mocking him, saying, if you're the son of God, like, why don't you get us out of here? And the other one's saying, like, we are getting what we deserve. Like, we've done terrible things, and we're up here. And he's asking Jesus to remember him. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, go. I mean, Jesus says, today, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is offering this guy forgiveness and hope now. He's hanging on the cross. He, he can't go make things right. He can't go ask for forgiveness. He can't go give back what he's stolen or pay the debts that he owes. He's in the middle of dying for horrible things, and Jesus says, today. You will be with me today. And I think that we forget that. We forget that this is offered to us today, that it doesn't mean we're going to be instantly healed. It means that this process can start today. And I think that we think, sometimes we think that this means our circumstances will change. Or we get frustrated with God because we're like, okay, I committed my life to you, and now crappy things keep happening to me. Um, but I remember a couple summers ago, Jan Myers, who's, she's in her 70s, full life, loves Jesus. Um, she was sharing with us at the Summer Inn, and her husband had passed away from cancer, which is something after so many years of marriage that I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. And I remember her sharing and just saying, like, you know what, it was, it's weird. I, like, have this crazy sense of peace and this, like, assurance that's, and this comfort. And I almost feel weird that I'm not more sad or more, you know, distraught. But I think that that, as she said, was, like, the presence of God in her life. You know, these circumstances were still horrible. And she had to watch her husband pass away. But that she, she was able to experience them in a different way because of Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> that, our friend Phil, you guys remember Phil? Um, he, he eventually did recover, he, but he said it took him six months before he got the energy to be able to walk around the block, which is crazy. And he made a full recovery, um, but this is, this is what he said, which I don't know if he knows Jesus, but I feel like he's kind of preaching the same thing he did. He said, uh, eventually I learned to flip my brain around. The way I view the world now versus the way I viewed it before is very different. It's about getting out of myself and focusing on other people. 
You can't just say it. You have to do it and live it. If you're busy helping other people, it's more difficult to be depressed. Reaching out to others, flipping my viewpoint, has made all the difference to me. And I think that that's kind of, he's experiencing what Jesus said, where you have to lose your life to find it. Where it's not about me achieving all these things. It's about being a person that serves and knows Jesus, and he's going to show us this completely different way. And, you know, these things are great. These, these things we talked about in the beginning, you know, being a healthy person, pursuing relationships, pursuing a career, being in college, setting goals are great, but they can't be, but they turn destructive, like you said, when they twist this tiniest little bit. And when they become what defines us, where our worth is, where our happiness is, and where Jesus becomes just a shadow. Um, so tonight, we, uh, as we finish up, we're going to end it a little bit different than we usually do. Um, we're going to, there's pens and papers around the room, and we're just going to give you guys 10 minutes. There's going to be a couple questions up there, uh, and a little bit of background music, maybe. Uh, so you can grab papers and pen, or you can just sit and pray. But just kind of reflect on this, and I'll come up and close, or... Ryan will come up and close the night with a um, benediction and then some treats. So let me pray for us, and then you guys can move around the room. Uh, dear God, thank you for um, just how much you love us and how much you, or that you, you came to the earth to set us free. And I know it's something we hear, Lord, and it's way too big to understand. Um, but, Lord, I pray that we can, we can understand that freedom more and more. Lord, that you will uh, give us an awareness of the, when we get caught in these cycles. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will just um, give us a nudge, and that we might, when we catch ourselves saying, well, when? Uh, Lord, that we can remember to come to you, Lord. Um, so I pray just for this next time, Lord, that you will speak to us, speak encouragement, um, and speak truth, and speak, yeah. So in Jesus' name, amen.